So it is time for me to make a confession to you all. So this week, it was about noon on Friday, Pastor Jim called me and he said, hey, something's come up, right? And he said, could you handle giving the message today? Now, in full disclosure, I knew that that might be a possibility on Thursday. So I had a chance to kind of look at it. But we all know Pastor Jim, right? And he will be here every chance he can, right? Like, he is so committed. And I was like, he's so committed, he's going to make sure that he's here. He's going to figure out a way to make it happen. If he has to wear a bubble or something, he's going to make it happen, right? Because he's just so committed to what we do. And so I gave a tertiary reading, like, I'm going to just kind of be familiar with it. And then he was like, I need you to give a message. So here's the confession. When it comes to sermon preparation, I am kind of a diva, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I have a really long, in-depth process that I go through because I want to go read what all the smart people have to say, and I want to go find out what these definitions are of the Greek words, and I want to come up with something like really, really earth-shattering so that your guys go home and hear what I have to say, and you're like, wow, my life was changed forever, right? <laughs> like, so usually by Thursday or Friday, I am done. I don't prepare on Thursday. Friday, Saturday are there to polish what's already been completed, and so this is out of my comfort zone a little bit. I, I, it's out of my comfort zone. So forgive me if I feel uncomfortable. But there's good news for us. And the good news is you didn't come here to hear me. Right? <laughs> like, you didn't come here to hear me. Right? Um, and if Jim was here, you didn't come here to hear him. You came here to hear what the God who created the universe has to say to us. He doesn't need to prepare the way that I do. He's got it, and he wants to say something to us today. And so it is my endeavor to be up here and get out of his way. Okay? So my goal is to get out of his way and hopefully... I get out of his way well enough that we can be inspired from the word. So before we start, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, what we know not, please teach us. What we have not, please give to us. What we are not, please make us. In your precious and holy name, amen. So we looking here at this text, I want to take an approach that Jesus himself told us to take, right? So Jesus said, I want you to come to me with faith like a child, right? He says, when you come to me, when you hear me, so here's Jesus going through all these parables. He says, I don't want you to overthink it, which I just confess to you that there are times when I overthink it when I'm thinking too much. 
God says, don't overthink it. Don't think about the consequence of this or this or this. Come to me like a child, right? Kids, when they hear, God loves you, they are like, yeah, God loves me. When kids hear that Jesus died for their sins, they're like, yes, Jesus died for my sins. They just accept it for what it says. When they see a cookie, they don't count the calories. They just want a cookie, right? And so then they're like, I'm going to eat the cookie because I don't care about the calories. This is what we need to do as we approach the text is to just say, what does it say and how do we respond to it? Like a child would. So let's look at this text. Now, as we look at the four parables, there is an overriding theme, and each parable starts with the same sentence, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. There's four different stories about what the kingdom of God is like, but it starts with that. So approaching this like a child, what is important in having a kingdom? Nobody? I thought someone would shout it out. In order to have a kingdom, you have to have a king, right? If you don't have a king, there's not a kingdom, right? Like, so in order for us to understand the importance of this passage, we must understand that the kingdom of heaven has a king, and that king is Jesus, so literally, if we can say that we have the king addressing his royal subjects and saying, this is what I expect of you. And so with that in mind, let's look at what the king is telling us this morning. So if you're taking notes, write this down. There's two things we want to look at. We want to look at God's action in the kingdom of God and God's expectation of us in the kingdom of God. God's action in the kingdom and his expectation of us in the kingdom. Okay? So let's look at God's action. So the first two parables, we have a guy, we have a guy who is out in his fields, right? And he's sowing the mustard seeds. I'm having trouble here with the ear thing, but I'll do my best. How's that? It's my big ears. That's what it is. So we have, he's sowing the seeds, and the mustard seed hits the ground. And Jesus says, when the mustard seed, this tiny little seed, just pretend like I'm holding it there. You couldn't see it anyway. Just pretend that there's one here. When it's planted and it grows, it becomes a great tree. And then he tells another parable where he says, there's a woman who's baking bread, And she's got the flour, and she adds the yeast, and then the bread rises. And so when we think about what God does in the kingdom is God makes the kingdom grow. God makes the kingdom grow. The small seed becomes a great bush. It becomes a great great tree, and the, the, the bread rises The flour and the the dough rises to become bread. That God's activity in the lives of the kingdom is to cause it to grow. It's what he told the disciples. Go and make disciples. Go to the outermost parts of the earth and make disciples. 
His kingdom is one that he wants to see grow. Let's understand something here, that the work that is accomplished here, like we said, is not the work of any of us. It is his work. He is the one that empowers us through the spiritual gift, through the Holy Spirit, to go and do the good works that help us advance the kingdom, right? It's not my good works. It's Christ living in me that does these good works. So if I were to go down to Bridge Street and find five people and say, you should all come to church, and they came to church, and they became members, and we're, we're giving lots of money. Um, I don't know, I'm lost here. But that is not me doing that. That is God working. That is his work. And I should never take credit for the great things that God does in and through me, just as you shouldn't take credit for the things that God does in and through you all. Right? Does that make sense? And so here is God actively working. This is another important part for us to look because God is making the kingdom grow. God is not just sitting back watching and observing us, waiting to see if we're going to do good. He is actively working in our lives. Romans 8.28, we know that in all things God works together for good to those that love him. God is not passively observing. He is actively engaging in your life in order that the kingdom of God may grow. So a quick aside, if you are new here, if you're not a member, CCPC 101 is after today, right, Drew? We're still doing that. So CCPC 101, so if you're interested in membership, stop in. There's no commitment. It's not a timeshare, I promise. If you just want to know more about the church, Drew will be having a class in the Bolden Hall Conference Room. That's, or, yep, see, I got it. Look at it. I'm out two for two. Come to that, and you can learn more about this. So God works to make the kingdom grow. But there's something else here. So Angie and I were sitting at the dinner table, and we just kind of read it, and she said to me, did you see what I saw? And I said, I don't know, what did you see? And she said, the parable of the sower, it's a man sowing the seed. And in the parable of the yeast, it's a woman baking bread. And I thought, wow, that is really good. So I was like, that's really great. And what does that mean? So as Jesus is wandering around preaching the sermon, all the rabbis, all the Pharisees, all of them are men. All of them. Women weren't educated the way that men were. They were told to go and make bread, right? There's nothing wrong with baking bread. It's a noble thing. But the society said, this is all you can do. You can't be inspired by God to lead people. Go bake bread. And what does Jesus say? Ladies, you're here, and not only do I want to include you in the kingdom, I want to include you in the work that I'm going to do. 
this is shaking the foundations of the culture. Jesus is saying, I want to include those that society has marginalized, those who think we don't, don't belong. He says, in the kingdom of God, you belong here. Now let me stress something. Let's go back to Psalm 78 so we can understand that the kingdom of God is inclusive, that Jesus wants all. God wills that all might be saved. So then why isn't everyone saved, right? Like if that's what God wants, why isn't that the case? And when we look at Psalm 78, we see not that Jesus is not speaking to us, not that he's not calling us to the kingdom, but that only those who have inclined their hearts to hear what he has to say. It is only those who said, Jesus, I hear you, and I'm listening, and I believe you, and I will follow you. A guy came to Jesus, said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, obey the commands. Love the Lord your God, uh, honor the Sabbath, honor your mother and father, all these things. He said, Jesus, I'm, I'm a good Jewish kid. I've gone to synagogue my whole life. I pay my tithe. What do I still lack? Jesus says, sell everything, give the money to the poor, and then follow me. It says that the young man went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell me what I need to do. Tell me what is in my life that's holding me back. Jesus said, this is what's holding you back. And he said, nope, it's not worth it. Jesus wants all to come and be a part of his kingdom. It's just some people choose to exclude themselves. So the kingdom of God, God's action in the kingdom of God is to grow it and to include those who would listen to him. So that's God's action. So now, what is God's expectation of us? What is his expectation? As we look at the kingdom of God, what is he expecting? So we have these other two parables. One, a guy is digging through, and it's interesting. He's got like a pirate map, right? We talked about the pirate, and he's got an X, and so he goes into the field. He finds X marks the spot, and he digs. He's like, ah, I found the gold, right? And he finds the field, and what does he do? He buries it goes and sells everything that he has and buys the field. Because he recognizes that that treasure is greater than anything that he possesses, right? That everything that he has is not worth what that treasure is. So if he sells everything, he can possess something greater than what he already has. Same thing, now there's a guy out searching for pearls, and he finds this really great pearl. Beautiful. He says, I'm going to go sell everything, everything I have, and I'm going to buy that pearl. Because that pearl is greater than anything I already have. God's expectation of us is to understand that the kingdom is greater than anything we possess 
and that we should give up anything that we are holding on to that keeps us from being fully devoted to the purposes of his kingdom. Please understand, I am not telling you that you have to go sell everything. I'm not telling you to have a garage sale this afternoon and just sell everything, and that's what God wants. So the only way you should have a garage sale selling everything is if God tells you to have a garage sale, right? You need to determine what it is that God is telling you. What are the things in your life that you are holding on to that are keeping you from being fully devoted to God's kingdom and seeing that grow? Not so that we can take glory, so that our king can receive glory. Notice Jesus came to the fishermen and fishermen, the the lifeline to their life the important thing in their life is the fish. They go catch fish and then they can sell fish and they can make money and then they can have a living. They're out fishing and Jesus says, come follow me. And they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. That's what Jesus is calling us to. So he, he says, man, just listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what I have to say and follow me. Don't overthink it. Just listen to my voice. Hear what I have to say for the sake of the kingdom. So one of my favorite preachers is a guy by the name of Evie Hill. Evie Hill served at a, at a church in South Central Los Angeles from like the early 60s till, till he passed in 2003. And he had a very unique style. So if you go look at him, it's a little unique. It's not very Presbyterian, right? Um, but he was speaking at a group at a Promise Keepers conference. And he told a story about being called to Washington, D.C. And they were doing a forum on racial reconciliation in the late 60s. So they gathered all sorts of people and they were having a forum, a workshop to help, help figure out how the nation could heal in the midst of racial strife that was occurring in the 60s. Some things don't change, right? <laughs> like, here we go. But he said he was sitting at a table and he was talking with the commissioner of the police of New York City. And they were having a conversation about the Black Panthers in New York City. And the commissioner was telling him, well, in Harlem, in Brooklyn, there are people fleeing these boroughs. There are people crossing the bridges. They're moving out. They said almost four million people have left both Harlem and Brooklyn. People are going to New Jersey. They're leaving the state. They're leaving the city because the Black Panthers have these people afraid. He said, churches were closing down. They weren't worshiping. They didn't have live stream back then. No one was coming in. The churches closed their doors. They said, people are too afraid. Businesses shut down. They, they, they put wood panels on their door because the Black Panthers owned Harlem. They owned Brooklyn, and they wreaked havoc throughout New York City. 
Dr. Hill said to the commissioner, he said, so all these things, four million people had left New York City, so what is the active membership of the Black Panther Party in New York City? The commissioner looked at him and said, 81. 81 people caused 4 million people to flee the city. Understand, I am not here to condone the activity of the Black Panther Party. Violence is not the answer, right? That you can be angry and we can have conversations. Violence isn't the answer, okay? I'm not condoning that. But there is an important lesson for us to know that when 81 people are committed to a cause so greatly, when they value the cause more than they value their own lives, they can impact the lives, the behaviors, the activities of 4 million people. Friends, from a look, I, don't, I haven't counted, there's more than 81 of us in here. There's more than 81 of us in here. So what, is, what are some points of application for us, right? What are some points of application? Well, the first one is we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been emboldened. We've been empowered by the Spirit of God to go do good works. Like, do you understand that when you step out in faith, when you take a risk, but by the way, I understand that when we talk about giving up those things that we find comfortable, giving up the things that we hold on to, that it's risky, right? Like, the guy who, who sells everything to buy the field, he's taking a risk, what if I sell everything and I realize I don't have enough to buy the field? What if I sell everything and I don't have enough to buy the pearl? He's taking a risk inherently in order that he can gain more value. But understand that when we're counting risk, there is a risk in this age, but in eternity, there's absolutely no risk because God working in you will empower you to do his work to complete his ends. So what are some points of application? So I'm going to fire some, some points of application. But what I want you to do is I want you to go home and pray about what are the things, what am I holding on to, like the rich young ruler that I have not given up? for the kingdom because God wants the kingdom to grow. So let me rapid fire. So you all are really good in this moment, okay? So I'm not speaking to you, you're here. We mentioned earlier that there is a group of people who I hear constantly talking about having coffee in their pajamas and watching online. I see you guys, and not really, you see me. When you make the choice to stay home and watch church online. We're glad you joined us. By the way, if you have a medical need, if there are real medical concerns, I'm not speaking to you either. I'm just talking to the group that says, 
We like watching church in our pajamas. We like having coffee. When you stay home without any concern for medical needs or medical protocol, you are robbing the kingdom and you're robbing yourself because here is where we find community. See, we're all going to go and we're all going to have donuts and we're going to talk and we're going to build the community. We're going to build the kingdom through our community. Many of you have come and you've taught Sunday school and you've been with classes and you're having conversations. If you're at home, you are being deprived of not only the community that God wants to bring to you, but also to the ability to contribute to his work in this local congregation. Okay? So if I'm speaking to you, I would love to see you next week. Okay? Secondly, Drew mentioned something earlier. We graciously have a matching gift that has come through with the intent of being able to pay off the mortgage in this building by January 1, okay? And if we meet the matching gift, come 2022, we will not have to make a mortgage payment on this building again, okay? Why is that important? Because if we can get rid of the mortgage off the books, then we can take the money that we are using to pay the mortgage every month and put that back into investing into the kingdom of God. So I don't know where you're at, but I would ask that you prayerfully consider how can I give to that cause because this will help us advance the kingdom. Secondly, thirdly, we have a long list of volunteer needs. We started back in our regular schedule. We're doing life every day of the the week now. We're we're going year-round. We're not doing six-week periods. We're doing all sorts of classes. We're doing all sorts of new things. We can always use more volunteers. So maybe you're like, and I'm going to self-promote for myself because I'm up here, right? Like, teenagers are smelly and they're obnoxious and I'm afraid of them. But the kingdom of God is worth giving away some of our discomfort. Maybe you're afraid of the little kids that will climb all over you. Maybe you're afraid of the adults, right? Here's the deal. Maybe it's about volunteering, saying I can help with life once a month. I can do every other week teaching Sunday school. Lastly, I I don't know everything Those are just three options that we have. But there is a point, I'm sure. By the way, Covenant, we do an amazing job. We have so many things that we do so well in reaching the community. And I applaud you. And it is an honor to be a part of such a community that is so committed to outreach, that is so committed to the community. So I'm not trying to be... We we do so many wonderful things, right? Right? So I don't want you to think like I'm saying you need to do more, we need to do more. But the kingdom of God says we need to do more. So what is it that we're holding on to? What are the things that we are not willing to relinquish? Let me ask you a question. What if God told us that 
the leadership and he was guiding us to move closer to the city. And he said, you know what? I know you just paid off the mortgage, but there's a place in downtown Wausau and I need Covenant Community Church to go downtown. I need you to sell this building and move downtown. I know some of you are like, we just built Bolden Hall. That's been a two-year project. You're, are you telling me? You, I, I'm not telling you we are having discussions about selling the building. I'm just throwing out a hypothetical situation. If God told us to sell this building that we hopefully will pay off by January 1, are we willing to listen to God and follow him? Are we willing to rethink everything we do, our whole ministry model, in order for the kingdom of God? Are we willing to consider everything about our style of worship and the music that we do? Bless does a wonderful job. We do a great job with our worship. Are we willing to expand our purview in order to grow the kingdom of God? I don't know, but I would ask you to prayerfully consider what is it that you as an individuals are holding on to? What is it we as a congregation are holding on to? Man, because I would love it if we said, God, we are all in. Let's go grow the kingdom. Let's see your Holy Spirit do a mighty work in our community. We know he can because he has done it already. But I'm a little greedy. So we know the enemy is defeated. I want to run up the score, right? I want to run up the score. Like, as a Bear fan, I know you guys are judging me now. I know when the Packers beat the Bears, you all like to have the score be really big, right? You like 48 to 3. Like 24 to 17 isn't nearly as satisfying as 48 to 3, right? Let's run up the score for the kingdom of God. Because it's about growing his kingdom. By the way, it's not... It's not my money. It's not your money. This church is not Jim's church. It's not our church. It's Christ's church. He's the king. He's the one who ultimately report to. He's the one who ultimately stands in authority over this place. So are we willing to look to him and see where he is guiding and leading us? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the work in the words of Jesus. And we pray that we will take time to reflect on your word, that we would take time to reflect on the things that you've told us. And that you would reveal to each one of us, that you would reveal to us as a local congregation where you want us to go, and how you want us to bring glory to your name. We love you, King, and we're here to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.